what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. Travelers, and welcome once again to the Before and After Show. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. I'm your other co-host, Ryan Buell. And we're here this week to, I think, finally put the uh, cap on 2016 releases. I think this will be the last 2016 release we talk about in full. Um, we're going to talk about Martin Scorsese's Silence, which I have thoughts about. Me too. <laughs> heavy, heavy, I'm confused thoughts. Yeah. But before we do that, uh, have you been watching anything this week, Ryan? Uh, I've been watching a lot of TV shows on Netflix. Okay. I'm going through, um, 30 Rock. Uh, that's just, I literally just put it on to kind of zone out. But I am picking up on a lot more of the, the odd humor that it throws so at you. It's so weird. It's so weird. I love it. Yeah. We're, we're in the middle of a, uh, uh, rewatch as well. Yeah. We're on season six, so. I think I'm on season, I'm going through season four, so mm. you're, you're two ahead of me. But yeah, yeah, going through that. Uh, movies? I'm trying to think. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't think I've watched any new movies in the last couple weeks. Really? I am ashamed of myself. Wow. I apologize. <laughs> um, How about you? Yeah, I watched... Oh gosh. Uh, what did I watch? I rented Last Temptation of Christ and never found three hours to f- commit to it. <laughs> Um, I have 30 days to watch it, so hopefully by the time my time is up, I'll I'll have watched it. Um, We did watch a horror movie called We Are Still Here. Um, It's a period drama, not period drama, but period horror movie. It takes place in 1979. It's about this family who buys a house that's been vacant for 30 years, and it turns out that's because there's something in the house. Sounds um, a little cliche. Yeah, it is. It's a very kind of traditional haunted house story, but there's a couple twists in there. They also got some kind of legendary B-movie um, actresses to be in the movie. It's a, this couple buys the house and then their their friends come to visit them and then kind of ish starts hitting the fan. Okay. Um, and so Barbara Crampton and I don't remember the other woman's name, but she plays a vampire in the movie Ed Wood from Tim Burton. Um, but they both have uh barbara crampton i did not recognize because she's got really short hair and she's most famous probably for her long blonde hair mm-hmm. um and <clears throat> so that it has some clout which is good yeah uh it's really good man yeah. it's a really good horror movie it's one of the best horror movies i've seen in a long time some legit scares some legit so creepy <laughs> like there was there was one scene featuring an electrician where i was like no 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 thank you f everything about this movie what the heck it gets a little campy in the third act which i isn't great but is great kind of because you, it's campy because it's campy you can tell they had a lot of fun doing that and the 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 actors are all experienced in doing those kinds of horror movies so you can tell they are in their element um but it just not that it's a super serious tone but like it's really creepy and atmospheric and then just goes like 
balls to the wall in the third act. Okay. Um, and so it was a little bit of a betrayal, but not much because the actors are really good and you can tell they had a lot of fun doing it. And the effects are really well done for the most part, um, especially because there's a couple effect shots that you could tell they didn't have the budget to do the gore for, so they kind of tried to hide it with camera tricks. And it's like, oh, this movie had a budget of like $12, didn't it? <laughs> um, but it, the effects work like crazy where they count. And uh, I said it was the movie I wanted Lights Out to be. I don't know if you remember that movie from Yeah, I remember talking about it a couple yeah. weeks back. Um, that's the movie I wanted that to be. I thought Lights Out was just okay. I thought We Are Still Here was great. Also, uh, last thing we watched was I, because I was getting ready to see a new Martin Scorsese movie, it means I wanted to watch other Martin Scorsese movies. Um, (laughs) We watched Cape Fear, his 1991 remake of the 1962 film Cape Fear, starring Nick Nolte and Robert De Niro. Um, Robert De Niro plays a convicted rapist who gets out of prison after a 15-year sentence and stalks the family of the of his defense attorney because he blames his defense attorney for being the one who sent him to jail and you find out that he should definitely do that because his defense attorney had evidence that would kind of turn the it didn't it didn't dismiss him of the crime he was still guilty of the crime but he had information where he could have painted the victim as like a slut and like in the eyes of the jury and they would have been harsher on her than him mm-hmm. and but he like he also knew what he did to the girl and knew that he was guilty and was like uh nope <laughs> and let him be convicted but like that's super illegal if you're a defense attorney yeah. like whether or not the person committed the most horrific crime or not you have to try to get that person found not guilty or at yeah. least their sentence reduced if they enter a guilty plea yeah. so it's this really cool like moral quandary that the movie puts you in because like you understand kind of where Robert De Niro is coming from because Nick Nolte didn't really do the job he was supposed to do. But you also kind of have to go, well, yeah, but justice was served. So, so is that you can right? go suck it, Robert yeah, De Niro. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he starts like creeping on his family and like being like really creepy to his daughter and his kid and his wife. And uh, he, like, kills their dog at a certain point. That's kind of like Secret Window without a twist. Okay. Um, and De Niro's, like, real creepy. And he's got this, like, southern accent in the movie, which was really off-putting. Yeah. Um, and he's just kind of like a greasy, gross-looking guy. And he's incredible in it. To the point, he's so good in the movie that I was like, what else? Like, what? how did he not win an Oscar for this performance? He's astounding. And I looked it up, and he lost to Anthony Hopkins for Silence of the Lambs that year. And I was like, well, all right. Yeah, that settles it. Yeah, even though Anthony Hopkins has more of a supporting performance. He's only got 14 minutes of screen time in Silence of the Lambs. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's real good. And kind of to what we were talking about, um, he, De Niro's character plays this guy who has a misplaced sense of justice um he's got bible verses tattooed all over him he quotes the bible out of context a lot um but to fit his own twisted view of what justice is um he's got this like kind of super dope back tattoo (laughs) um it's the scales of justice but it's a cross 
And on one side, it has the Bible and it says truth. And on the other side, it has the Constitution on the scale. Um, so it's got the scales hanging off the arms of the cross. And on one is the Bible and it says truth. And then on the other side, it's the Constitution. It says justice. And I was like, that's kind of awesome. <laughs> 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 um, it's just, it's a really sweet looking tattoo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's like, that's his whole character. And he even, uh, spoilers for the like 26 year old movie, he dies at the end but he views it as like him going to heaven somehow and like actually starts speaking in tongues. And I was like, that's crazy. I was like, this is creepy as hell, but it's awesome. Like he really stuck to a vision in the movie. And I really like that. And I was reading that Spielberg was originally supposed to direct that movie. And I was like, there's no way I would buy a second of this movie if Steven Spielberg directed it. I I was like, there's like someone, someone way more hard, hard edged, like Scorsese needed to direct this. Like I, I would not buy the Steven Spielberg version of Cape Fear. Yeah. Um, at all. But there's, there's one scene where he, um, they hire a private detective and, De Niro sneaks in the house. He like foolproofs the house, but he ends up killing their housekeeper and stealing her clothes and sneaking into the house and killing the private detective. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess originally in the script, he just snuck in magically. Like there was, he he didn't do the elaborate thing with the housekeeper. He just kind of snuck in and killed the housekeeper and then killed the private detective. And Spielberg was like, no, 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 he should take her clothes and dress as her. That way people don't realize what's going on and so scorsese did that and i thought also he's in brown face uh because because the 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 housekeeper was mexican um so robert de niro and brown face strangling a guy in woman's clothes i was like you could not get away with that in 2017 <laughs> i was like that would be every red flag mm-hmm. um i was like i feel like you could barely get away with brown face in 1991 as a matter of fact like yeah, really. um but then i found out that was spielberg's idea and i was like what where'd that come from steven spielberg <laughs> the hell he's got some dark places he can't go to um yeah, and that was it as far as what we watched. Uh, yeah, we are going to go into our top five segment. Woo-hoo. And I'm really excited about this segment. It was really hard to put together this week's list. Um, like we said, when we started this segment, it's not really... Sometimes it's connected to the episode, sometimes it's not. This week it's super not. It's uh, our top five most anticipated movies of 2017. It's the end of January. We've kind of got all the quote january dumpster fire movies out of the way although split came out in january and it's great Mm. um and yeah so these are the five movies we are looking forward to the most in uh 2017 so ryan what is your number five most anticipated my number five might shock a few people you think it might be higher up but my number five is star wars the last jedi episode eight Mm. um and see what a trailer and actually what the movie kind of says um and we, I was saying a little bit before the podcast, I, I'm excited for it, but I'm also kind of, oh, okay, yeah, a little bit, little bit disenfranchised with this this new trilogy. I kind of, I feel like it's become a little bit commercialized, and I, I don't want to. We're all about sweet movies and go watch them, and this one I'm sure will be fun, and I, I really do want to see it, and I'm, and hopefully, 
trailers will change my mind and make me super stoked. But it is on my list. I am excited to see that one. So that was my number five. Yeah, um, I'm excited to see it. I think Ryan Johnson is a better director than J.J. Abrams. Uh, I've liked to loved every single one of his movies so far. Um, So I think it'll be good. Uh, My number five is The Fate of the Furious. Of course it is. (laughs) Come on, you guys. You should have listened to this podcast long enough to know that I'm a sucker for these movies because they're great. Um, Yeah, it's the first one sans Paul Walker, which is sad. Um, It looks ridiculous and outrageous. And that's all I want out of my Fast and Furious movies. And Mm -hmm. it looks like it's going to deliver on that. Um, Also, The Rock is there and I love The Rock. So, yeah, it's the fate of the Furious. There's not a lot to say about it because it's going to be kind of big and dumb and loud and goofy. But that's what I want it to be. Exactly. Uh, Ryan, you're number four. My number four. My number four is King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Mm. Uh, I know that's not. I know that's one you're not particularly <clears throat> looking forward no, to. No, sir. Um, but I dig the the Arthur Arthur Arthurian mm-hmm. Arthurian lore. Uh, I, I grew up loving it as a kid. Some of the first books I read were all about King Arthur and his knights. Um, and I like. I believe Guy Ritch- Guy Ritchie, mm-hmm. the director. Mm-hmm. I like his style. Um, and I just think it'll be a fun, sweet kind of fantasy hack and slash, slash, uh, Guy Ritchie style movie. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. Uh, just same kind of reasons you love a Fast and the Furious. That's kind of what I'm going to with this. Uh, and I think it actually looks, it looks really good. So yeah. I'm pretty excited for it. The first in a planned octology of movies. Octology. He wants to make eight of these things. Ooh. Yeah. We'll see. I don't think he will. <laughs> I don't, I don't think the movie depends on, depends on how well it does, I guess. Yeah. Um, my number four is probably surprising to some of you, um, given that I have done entire podcasts about how not super into the first one I am, but Uh-oh. it's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh. I think it looks great. Uh, I actually recently saw... Um, guardians of the galaxy one on television and for some reason it clicked way more on tv with me like commercials and all we were just sitting at i was at a friend's house and we were playing board games and we finished the board game and we caught maybe the last 10 minutes of it on fx and then Mm -hmm. it started again and i stayed like an hour to an hour and a half past when i was planning on leaving just watching guardians with these people yeah um something about it just like i was like oh this movie's crazy watchable I don't know why it took, like, the third time through it for me <laughs> to really connect to that, but I was just, like, really compelled to keep watching it. So I'm much more positive on that movie than I ever have been, and I think 2 looks awesome. I think there's some really funny gags in there. Um, Baby Groot looks adorable. Mm-hmm. Rocket looks hilarious. Drax looks like he's got some huge laughs in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, you must be so embarrassed. <laughs> do me, do me. <laughs> hilarious. I yeah. that scene is hilarious every time I see it. Um, my big complaint with it is why is Baby Groot still Vin Diesel? Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, they just pitched his voice up, and I don't understand why. <laughs> but it's For a minor funsies. complaint. Yep. Uh, so that's my number four: Guardians of the Galaxy that's Volume sweet. Two. Yeah, my. Um... And that that is uh, I, I I am excited for that one. That, that did not make my top five, but um, okay. I'm super excited for that one when it comes out. Um, my number three is Wonder Woman. Mm. Wonder Woman. Um, wow, that was really high. Anyways, yeah, I'm super stoked for Wonder Woman to come out. I think that maybe DC's redemption. 
Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe not. I'm a, I'm a hopeful nerd. Um, it looks really good. It, it's, uh, I'm excited for the story. I think Chris Pine uh-huh. playing uh, Steve Trevor. I think he's going to do really good. Um, I just, Yeah. It'll be the first time the character is going to have a movie by herself. Uh, yeah, my number three is Thor Ragnarok. Ah, as yeah. As we talked about, um, I think it was last week, I saw Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, I think I edited that part out. But oh. I saw Hunt for the Wilder People, and I loved it. And I love Taika Waititi. Uh, what we do in the shadows is great. Mm-hmm. I hope this is the weirdest, craziest, most bizarre. It, it, like, I hope it's absolutely bananas crazy nice um (laughs) because that's the perfect tone for that director he works in that tone really well um and he also is able to give those cuckoo bananas elements some a lot of heart which with the exception of probably tom hiddleston's performance i would say thor is missing that the most out of any marvel franchise yeah um and so i think i think this it could be a really good shot of adrenaline that that franchise needs because there are a lot of really good actors associated with that franchise but they've never really been able to come to to make anything really really memorable happen outside of the character of loki Mm -hmm. happen um so i think i think this might be where it does yeah yeah nice uh number two uh, ryan two. my number two is logan mm. um i just caught the the second trailer mm-hmm. that just released i think it was this week or last week last week i think um yep. which i was already super stoked for, for it with the original trailer that came out with the johnny cash song mm-hmm. this newest one just just makes me more excited just more pumped for it i'm excited to see the story i think the little girl they got to play x23 uh, Laura, not Laura Lance. Laura, her first name's Laura. Anyway, little Wolverine with with that. Uh-huh, yep. Um, I think she looks amazing in it. I like the uh, the story's gonna be good. Um, I'm just excited to see it. I'm excited yeah. to see how he ends his career as Wolverine, and this very Clint Eastwood style, once more into the breach, my friends, kind of thing. Um, so Do you yeah. think he's gonna die? Oh, he'll definitely die. <laughs> <laughs> I think him and Professor X are both dying. I think they're going to die, but the legacy of the X-Men will live on because of the girl mm-hmm. that they protect. Yeah. And I think that's what's, I think that's what will probably happen. Yep. <clears throat> uh, my number two is Logan was originally on my list. Mm-hmm. And, uh, also, it should be noted that the Sundance Film Festival is happening right now, so a lot of the more indie art house stuff I haven't really read any reviews of yet. So the you know the more Oscar baity stuff um, I haven't really been keeping up with. There's a couple on there, but not enough to crack my top five. So there are a lot of the big, more promoted studio pictures. There's nothing wrong with those. Calm your pants. Uh, <laughs> all right, number two is War for the Planet of the Apes. <gasps> <laughs> I totally forgot about that one. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's uh, I, the first two are some of my favorite movies of the last ten years. Yeah. Um, I think it was 2013 when the first one, or when the second one came out. That's my favorite movie of that year. Yeah. Um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is a stunning movie. Yeah. War for the Planet of the Apes looks like it's continuing in that tradition. It's the same director as Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, it looks like a war movie. I mean, yeah. it, it evokes a very Vietnam style um, in a much different way than the new King Kong movie does. Um, mm. It's very weird that the the two ape movies we're getting this year feel like Vietnam throwbacks, yeah. but they do. Uh, 
Matt Reeves is back. I love Matt Reeves, the director. He directed Cloverfield. He directed the American remake of Let the Right One In, which has one of my favorite shots in all of cinema history. Um, he directed the crap out of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, Woody Harrelson's in War for the Planet of the Apes. I'm just like uh, so on board with this. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it's probably interchangeable with my number one. Um, it, excuse me. It might even be my number one, actually, but we're so close to the release of my number one that that's my number one for right now. Yeah. But we'll get to that in a second. Ryan, what is your number one most anticipated movie of 2017? John Wick Chapter 2! <laughs> and we tied. Yep. <laughs> we tied for number one. That's my number one as well, so let's get it over with. It's gonna be so good. It's <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, uh, I just decided to see him kill more people. Yep. And just get more into this universe they created. Mm -hmm. Like, the rules are... Ah, I'm excited. It seems like we're going to learn a bit more about his past. Uh, Not in America or something like that? Yeah. Uh, Also, the comic book's coming. There's going to be a comic book? In March. Who's producing it? Uh, IDW, I think. Maybe Boom. Oh, that's going to be good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm... Yeah. You talk. I'm just excited. <laughs> Here's the thing, man. Keanu's great. Yeah. Uh, I love Keanu Reeves. I've talked about this before on the show. My favorite thing that's happened in the last five years is that everyone stopped ironically liking Keanu Reeves and started actually liking Keanu Reeves because he's a good actor, man. Yeah. He's a really good actor. Uh, you know, I think he's been in some very iconic movies. Bill and Ted is great. Uh, Speed's a great little taut thriller. Uh, the Matrix? Come on. Yeah. That first one? Are you kidding me? That thing still holds up and it changed movie making forever. Yeah. Um, he just does really consistent, really solid, really fun, good work. And John Wick is... I'm going to go ahead and say probably the best hardcore action movie of the new millennium since mm-hmm. 2000. Um, it's great. It's just really good meat and potatoes action filmmaking that we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. While still being, like, really inventive and cool and, like... Good story. And it has a really good story. It feels like a comic book movie without being a previous comic book. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a really cool world that these guys created. It's really, like, pulpy and and you can feel it. Um, The people who are in it are committed to it. Keanu, you can tell, is having a blast in it. He Mm -hmm. loves playing the part. And you can, I think that shines through more than any other role he may have ever played. He's like really into playing this character. And I love that. I love when you can see that actors are having fun. Um, And this trailer looks like it's bigger than the last one. It looks like there's good escalation between one and two. Mm -hmm. Um, It looks like it expands the story. It expands the scope of the universe. It looks like there's bigger, not necessarily better because the, I mean, the first one's like got perfect action sequences. But it looks like the action sequences are bigger and more elaborate and a lot of fun. Um, I just think it's going to be a great action movie. Yeah. Um, I'm so I'm crazy excited. <sighs> Is that for this next movie. month, right? The fourteenth. Uh, or the, sooner. Uh, well, it's Valentine's weekend, but because the fourteenth is a Tuesday. 13, 12, 11, tenth. The tenth. Okay. The tenth. Yeah, it okay. opens the same day as Lego Batman. Well, decisions, decisions. Stupid. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It opens the same day as Lego Batman, which is my wife's most anticipated movie of 2017. So we're going to have to go to the movies twice that weekend. (laughs) You poor, poor man. Yeah. um, But I have an out-of-town trip scheduled that weekend as well. 
that only I'm going on. So, uh, logistically, it's going to be a nightmare, I feel like. But, yeah, I'm, I'm ridiculously excited about John Wick Chapter 2. Nice. Um, you know, other honorable mentions, like I said, Sundance is happening. Uh, the two that I've heard, one's called The Big Sick because it's written uh, by written by Kumail Nanjiani and his wife, Emily Gordon. They're a podcast. They have a podcast that I listen to all the time. I love Kumail's stand-up. I love him on Silicon Valley. I, he's just a guy that I like, so I'm really excited to see his first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh, he didn't direct it. Michael Showalter directed it. Just kidding. But I like Michael Showalter's movies, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's one. Uh, I'm going to botch the name of it. I want to say it's called Wind River, but I know that's wrong. It's called, like, Wind Something. It's, uh, by all accounts, Hell and Highwater, Hell or Highwater in the Snow with Jeremy Renner. It's from the same screenwriter. And, I mean, Hell or Highwater is one of my favorite movies of 2016, so I am into it. <laughs> um, yeah, so those are the ones out of Sundance. And then Logan's a big one for me. Um, Lego Batman's a big one for me. I'm so excited about Lego Batman. Yeah. Um, do you have any honor- honorable mentions? Uh, so I already said Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm really excited for, uh, Thor. Thor. Um. Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Pretty much any of the comic book movies. Um. Are you excited about Justice League? I am. Is that coming out this year? Mm -hmm. November. November. Oh. Yeah, I am excited for that. I think that'll be good. Um, but, I don't know. Pirates of the Caribbean 5? 6? Five? Whatever. Something like a, I think I, it's six. Yeah, I, I think don't it's care. it's a six one. Yeah. <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, I, yeah. just, I don't care. Uh, I might see that one. I Comes out know. on my birthday. Yeah. Yeah, I might see that one. I don't know. Um, Just have to see what comes out and roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, I think this, this year looks a lot stronger than last year. Yeah. Last year was a little dismal at the blockbuster end of stuff. Mm. Um, there were a lot of mediocre crap, but I think there's some really cool, fresh, interesting stuff coming out. Yeah. Oh, I am, I, uh, oddly enough, I am kind of intrigued by the new Transformers. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which, I haven't kept up with the franchise, so I have mm-hmm. no idea if it's crap or not. I know Michael Bay is like, we hate him. But yeah. I like his visuals. <laughs> I, I have a complicated relationship with Michael Bay. Uh, we're going to take a short break and be back with a very different tone to the podcast, I believe. Yes. Uh, I think we're going to enter the most somber, well, maybe the second most somber uh, portion we've ever done on the podcast because we have talked about the original Birth of a Nation on this show. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll be right back to talk about Martin Scorsese's Silence. And we're back, and we're here to talk about Martin Scorsese's Silence. It's the latest from director Martin Scorsese. It stars Andrew Garfield, uh, Adam Driver, and Liam Neeson. And a host of really good Japanese actors whose names I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the story of these two Jesuit priests from Portugal who are tasked with going into Japan um, in the 1600s when persecution of Christians was at an all-time high um, in that country. And they are tasked with finding out whether or not this uh, the, the priest who basically raised them up in faith... 
um, has officially renounced uh, uh, Christianity as his religion or if he's dead or what. They have correspondence from him. And so they get smuggled over into Japan um, by, by this guy and they meet uh, groups of Christians around Japan. Um, those Christians eventually get found out and persecuted and they have to escape kind of into the hills of Japan. Um, Adam Driver, no, uh, yeah, Adam Driver and Andrew Garfield have to split up and Andrew Garfield gets captured and, and uh, sent to these camps where they're keeping Christians and um, beheading them and torturing them in other ways. And um, just kind of faces the real horrors of what was going on in Japan at that time. Um, eventually meets, gets confirmation about whether or not, uh, about the fate of Father Ferreira, who's played by Liam Neeson. Mm -hmm. And I think I'll leave the uh, plot summary there until we get more into spoil ter spoiler territory. Uh, I think uh, for just to make sense out of all of this, I think we're going to have to take this at least in two acts, maybe three. Um, so I think before, uh, not to compartmentalize too much, but just as a movie, what did you think about Silence, Ryan? Just as a movie. I'm glad you put it that way because that's the only way I could think through it was com compartmentalizing yeah <clears throat> as a movie purely as a movie everything else out you know all the considered all other considerations out the door um i didn't like it really like i i just i did not like it i thought it was really slow mm -hmm. um and i get there there's a there's a purpose to that um i thought you know, I, I kept hearing about the camera work, the camera work, and oh my mm -hmm. gosh, Corsese's camera work. Uh, maybe I just don't have that particular trained eye to notice that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's just like, oh, they're walking up a hill. All right. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, you got the the point was made what was, what was going on, but the that aspect kind of was went over my head. I mean, mm -hmm. that's probably just me. I'm not I'm not a technical guy. Um, some. Uh, the message of the movie is still unclear to me, and I think we'll probably get into that more with the spoiler yes, stuff. Yes, yeah, you had to talk me um, down from a ledge Sunday night after I saw it. Yeah, um, and yeah, it was the the torture scenes that were there had an impact, but because of something that the I'm not quite sure what the movie's saying, it kind of lessened the impact mm -hmm. of what was going on. Um, and that's about as vague as I could be without going into the spoilers or everything. Right. But overall, I just, I didn't, I didn't like the movie. And, um, yeah, story, story, this from a story standpoint, from a character standpoint, from a film standpoint, I just, I didn't hate it. I won't <laughs> say that. I didn't hate it. There are movies I definitely hate. Right. But this one I just ultimately didn't like and would be fine if I never saw it again. Mm -hmm. So that's, that is my take. How about uh, yours? Uh, I really liked it. Um, I thought it was masterfully made. Um, it is, it's long, it's slow, it's two hours and 41 minutes. Um, if you've ever seen a copy of the book, it's amazing it's that short. Mm. <laughs> um, and I just thought, you know, the camera work, the camera work, the camera work. It's, it's really, uh, I think part of what makes the camera work great is the editing. Um, I think it's really well edited, not that... <clears throat> There's an argument to be made that it's maybe a little over long, but as far as like how scenes transition into each other, I think it's very well done. Mm. Um, that's courtesy of Selma Schoonmaker, one of the all-time great editors. She's edited, I think, every single one of his movies. Um, 
I thought the performances were great. I thought Andrew Garfield was incredible mm-hmm. in the movie. I really, really liked that performance. As a matter of fact, um, also it was funny that you mentioned that you didn't get the camera because the only um, Oscar I got nominated for was cinematography. Really? Yeah. yeah. That just shows you what I know. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, So Andrew Garfield got nominated for his performance in Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. And... I tweeted out a picture of Dewey Cox's dad saying the wrong kid died and said the, from the, the Walk Hard Dewey Cox movie. And I put uh, the wrong Andrew Garfield performance got nominated because I feel like he was so much better in this than he See, was in Hacksaw Ridge. And I thought he was just plain Jane in his performance. Really? I really like like him and... Um, Adam Driver? Yeah. I just thought they were, they were very stoic. You could get the emotion that that came through, but it just seemed very, like motionless. Mm. Like they were very still. Um, the only guy that got me excited in his performance was the one guy, who who shows up later on in the movie, who kind of tortures him a little bit. Not not physically, but just the conversations they have. You oh, the guy about? with the like rabbit teeth. Yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah. The the the, the main guy, the main the guy he's been trying to find, where he's uh, like not the inquisitor. Oh, the the, the other, translator. The translator guy. Oh, okay. That guy, I loved watching his performance because mm-hmm. he seemed very animated and like, I don't know, like his performance to me outshone uh, Andrew Garfield. I mean, mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield was good, but I was just, for me, it was just very middle of the road. Like he didn't, to me, he didn't show a lot of range. But okay. again, that's just my opinion. Right. But Did anyways. you see Hacksaw Ridge ever? I haven't. I need to. Oh, okay. That's, I desperately need to see that. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, where else? Uh, the, yeah, I just thought that the thematically, it presented a lot. And I like movies that present a lot of stuff thematically. That may have done a lot for me too. Whether or not some of it's resolved, I have an argument that it is three days removed from it now. Um, but whether or not, like, I just like that all those things were presented. I had the misfortune of seeing it by myself, which you were on the receiving end of. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the misfortune of seeing it by myself, which did, like, I really needed to talk to someone after the movie. Um, I really needed to talk to someone after the movie. Deep and impressed. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot going on. It is, like I said, two hours, 41 minutes. I think that, I was I was glued to it the whole time. I didn't feel like I needed to check my phone. I had to pee really bad, and I, I had to I had to pee really bad, and it got really bad right when Liam Neeson showed back up, and I was like, God, uh. man!" <laughs> um, I thought Liam Neeson's like distraught acting at the beginning was incredible. Yeah. Um, I didn't really like his performance when he showed back up. See, I kind of did because, again. The dichotomy of the movie is I'm not quite sure what, what the mm-hmm. central message is. But I read his character pretty well. I think he did a good job of conveying the conflict within himself. That's true. Like putting on the mask of one thing while really feeling something else. And that that got confirmed later on mm-hmm. with when the, towards the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really liked his performance. Mm-hmm. Liam Nielsen just... Again... To me, he showed more range in his face. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was supposed to be Daniel Day-Lewis. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel like that would have been a complete waste of Daniel Day-Lewis. I think, yeah, because only he's in there for, like, what, 10, 15 minutes, <laughs> yeah. if that? Yeah, So. Um, but, yeah, as a movie, I thought it was incredibly well done. Um, so, as we talked about last week, you and I are both Christians. Yes. Uh, pretty devout and... Um, 
you know, un, uh, unafraid to talk about that kind of stuff. Like we said, the, the show, it doesn't necessarily come from a Christian lens. Um, but that, that kind of thing does inform how we view all these things. So really, if you think about it, even though we don't explicitly talk about like, what's the spiritual lesson we can learn from Suicide Squad? Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't go see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, so we don't talk about that, but the, the, what we believe informs what we, what we watch and how we watch it and how we interpret it. Uh, so this movie seemed right up our alley. We went on a long rant about, um, Christian movies like the God's Not Deads and the, uh, whatever that war room war room, room yeah whatever the wwe one that just came out yeah. <laughs> um you know there's there's all those and we talked about those being cotton candy and this seemed like something that was uh more food for thought it was something for christians that they could you know it's a lot meatier it's something that gives them something to chew on having seen the movie do you agree still do you think that that maybe is what happened uh, even if there are some unresolved stuff that happens to a certain degree, yes. But also to a certain degree, no. Hmm. Um, it's... I'll, I'll give the movie this. It definitely... Uh, it, it makes you think. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... Like, last night, I was processing it still. Yeah. Up, I, I dreamt about it. I was still processing it. Woke up still sticks thinking with you. about it. It does. So I will give the movie credit for that. It definitely sticks in your craw. If I can just be use a weird term um but in terms of being something that a christian can watch and either be admonished or challenged it's a weird camp in one sense yes because you do get to see historically what happened to the japanese to in japan to christians who went there mm-hmm. which is fascinating in and of itself and, and and convicting and um it sounds weird to say, but uplifting in a sense. You know, mm-hmm. these men had devout faith, and they followed it to the letter. And you see that in the world news now, with Christians all over the world dying mm-hmm. for their faith. In China. In China, yeah. Um, so in that, I think the movie succeeded extremely well. Mm-hmm. I think it did that very well. Um, where I have issue with is the central message. I'm not. It was a little convoluted for me. Like what Scorsese and what I don't even. I haven't even read the novel. But what it's trying to say about Christ himself, I'm a little uncertain of. Um, it ha- is very heavily, and which, based on what happened in the story, fictionally it makes sense, but it's very heavily into Catholicism. Yes. Which I get, but i um, trying to word this very carefully. I love and respect uh, Christians. And I think people in the, in the Catholic Church can totally love Jesus, being totally saved. A lot of the Catholic teachings, I do not agree with. Mm-hmm. And I think are contrary to what Scripture has to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie emphasized a lot of things that I disagreed with. Like, the priests going, and it's them that save the people. Mm-hmm. It seemed like that was a big emphasis on that. We have to, you know, they confess her sins to us. Right. Which, to me, I disagree with because Christ is the intercession between man and God, not right. man to God. That, right. I don't agree with that at all. So that I had some issue with. But again, it's historical. They're going by that. Okay. And also, well, I, 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 I don't know. So, <laughs> go, go ahead. yeah. Sorry. Um, Before I ramble. 
so for me, I was in tears like 15 minutes into this movie. As soon as they rolled up on the first village of Christians, yeah. I like got real weepy about it. Um, because I just got really overwhelmed about the gospel. Um, I know that's 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 a, that's a, that's a, that's, a, that's a, uh, kind of a simplistic way to view it, but you know, I grew up. Like, I, I mentioned this. I grew up in a church that heavily emphasized missions. You know, we were part of a denomination called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Um, we had supported several long-term missionaries across the globe we would fly them out once a year and hear their stories um my church went on several i mean countless and still does that church my mom's still a part of it on countless uh missions trips to mexico short-term missions trips over the summer that kind of thing so i grew up in a in a a church that heavily emphasized missions the church i'm a part of now heavily emphasizes missions maybe to a lesser degree than the one i grew up in but there's i mean the church i go to now is also the definition of a mega church um minus the uh you know, not not preaching the gospel um, yeah, yeah, is yeah. is the definition of a megachurch. Um, but they they so they have a lot more moving parts than the church I grew up in. Um, so they have just like a lot more fingers in mission work um, around the globe and and here in America. Um, so the mission of going and making disciples is always something that I've been sensitive about because of the environment I grew up in. Yeah. And that really like hit home for me. Yeah, it struck a nerve. Uh, it struck a nerve seeing the persecuted church and also just the idea. And this I think is where we'll get into it. The idea that this survived all of this, mm-hmm. you know, like it's still like, it's bigger than any of the things that the Japanese could have done to stamp it out. Um, like the, like, the truth always wins because it's the truth. Um, there's a great exchange late in the movie. I did like. That. I really did like that. Um, and <clears throat> uh, and as far as the Catholic stuff goes, I kind of agree with you, but it didn't really stick in my craw that much because it's it's a movie about Catholics. <laughs> um, True. You know, and I think part of it. I think one of the things is the journey of Andrew Garfield's character is him realizing that he kind of is powerless in quotes. I'm doing air quotes around powerless in the sense of being the savior of these people. Um, So I think, I think it it is his journey to kind of realizing like, Oh, the, you know, we are not really the ones who do the saving here. And, you know, he sees when he, rolls in there like he sees that these people are fine in their faith without him being there and there's one of the villages he goes to he's handing out all these things like he has to break his rosary apart and he's like they're almost too into these symbols which i'm glad he brought up because when they were talking about that again uh, going with catholicism i just thought okay someone say something about this because these people are treating these things as holy relics mm-hmm. and i'm glad he did say that uh, the line about they're treating them i'm he said something along something along the lines of i'm worried about this they're treating these objects as more important than faith. Yes. And I really appreciated that. Yes. I'm like, okay, sweet. We're on the same boat here, brother. Um, on certain things. Right. Um, but I wasn't quite sure what the movie was trying to say. So the, the scene I have in mind mm-hmm. that made me wonder what is, is this man's journey? What is the central thing Scorsese or the novel is trying to get across about mm-hmm. this priest? The scene where he, just before he gets captured and he's looking into the pool. Oh the yeah! The image of Christ is superimposed on his face, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also uh, throughout the movie, I feel like it's sprinkled throughout. He's 
comparing himself. Christ is in this, and Christ was in the same situation. Mm-hmm. Was the movie trying to convey this man had prided himself? And like, I must do this, I must do this, but the end result was he learned that Christ is the one that is the one supposed to do this? I absolutely believe that's the case. That's the case, okay. And that's <clears> the case, then this movie, I, I think I would feel much better about this movie. But at the end of the day, I just wasn't sure what it was trying to say, which is why I felt feel very convoluted and I didn't mm-hmm. like it. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't sure if that was what they're trying to say or something else. Because that was a little bit vague. Right. Um, so, Ryan was on the receiving end of kind of my panic attack at the end of the movie um, because I said I think I kind of hated it. Uh, and I explained to him what happened. So what happens in the movie is he goes to this camp where these Christians are murdered and tortured and, you know forced to at least symbolically in our eyes and you know in 2017 eyes a lot of the renouncements of faith that the japanese ask them for are really kind of childish and silly um the big thing is they ask them to step on an image of christ i honestly feel like jesus doesn't care either way (laughs) way on that you know Mm. i think i think because of the larger thing of what it was of like you know if you step on this we're counting this as a renouncement of your faith I think there there is some stuff about martyrdom in there that is to be said, um, mm-hmm. but there's a character who continually commits this apostasy right yeah. throughout the movie and keeps coming back and keeps coming back and like I'm of the opinion that he's no less saved than those martyrs, the people who refuse and get beheaded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it seems like especially at the end of the movie that his faith is very genuine. Um, like I said, especially where he ends up, but. Um, Andrew Garfield is taken to this camp uh, after he meets Liam Neeson's character and he's going to go into the pit, which is the worst torture that the Japanese have um, without inciting death in these people. They put a small cut behind you or hang you by your ankles over a pit and uh, the the blood rushes to your head but doesn't knock you out. It drips out. So there's constantly pressure being relieved in your head and it's excruciating pain. He's presented... Andrew Garfield's character is presented with an image of the Christ to step on. And he basically says, like, hey, make them do it. And they say, we already did make, they've all done it. But we want you to do it. Mm -hmm. We will let them go if you do it. Um, And he does it. uh, He has, once again, this is one of those things that I just kind of had to sweep aside. Like, Jesus actually talks to him. In that moment, which, which at first felt kind of silly, it did. But actually, was a, a, an emotional hit me a little bit. Yeah. But then again, I'm not quite sure what he was saying. Right. In it, terms of so Jesus says, "Step on me, like yeah. step on, step on this image of me," um, and it seems kind of silly. There's, you know, I don't think that this is the, the place for this conversation. But the idea of like. Oh, you know, direct revelation. I don't think he was trying to say that. I think he was just trying to, like, it's hard to explain how God works, mm-hmm. you know? And so you, it was just a device to show that God was working in that moment, I mm-hmm. think. Um, so it was fine. <laughs> um, I think I think a lot of people would have some problems with it, but I don't, I don't really see it as a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he does that, and he, you know, they let him go, but now he has fallen from grace both in the eyes of the japanese and of the church he ends up working for the japanese identifying contraband christian items um for the church and uh all the while kind of secretly believing in jesus uh 
Which I think Liam Nilsson did too. Yes. Yeah. Um, they have an exchange uh, where he mentions images or symbols of our god. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Garfield is like, are you said our god. And Liam Neeson is like, mm, no, I didn't. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and then he's just not in the movie anymore. But he ends up going to a different Japanese town and kind of residing there and dying there. Um, and the guy who has come back, you know, who has committed apostasy several times and come back to the faith ends up being his right-hand man gets caught with a symbol of Christianity and taken away to some unknown fate to the viewer and reader. Mm. And that causes Andrew Garfield's character to not talk about Jesus for the rest of his life, to almost fully commit to his renouncement of faith. He's given a Buddhist name. He's given a Buddhist burial. And the last thing we see in the movie is it zooms into the, uh, the, the, the barrel he's being burned in and he's holding a tiny crucifix that one of the Japanese people carved and gave to him when he first arrived in Japan, yeah. implying that he did still secretly believe. My hang up there was, uh, I don't know if it's similar to the, what we discussed, but the, one, the thing Ryan and I talked about before he gets in the movie was... Is the movie saying that sometimes evangelism is too hard, therefore we should just keep our faith to ourselves? Um, I don't know if that was your major hang-up. That was that was part of it. Um, it it's a real hard ground. It's it's real hard to sit black and white with this movie. Mm-hmm. And certain things I can I can be pretty staunch about spot staunch upon. Um, but that part I really don't know because I don't. I don't think that's what Scorsese or the author was trying to get across. I th- think the central message they were trying to show is that this was, for lack of a better phrase, this was hell for these people, mm-hmm. what they had to go through. But I also, I mean, I don't know, maybe my opinion will change the more I can cogitate on this movie. Because I think even in his silence, he still was ministering. I think his wife was saved. Mm-hmm. And I think she was the one that put the cross in his hand. She definitely was. Um, and I also think based on when... Because they have the... After Andrew Garfield renounces his faith, the Japanese make him do it annually. Mm-hmm. Step on the image of Christ, do written, written things and all yeah. that. Um, and the scene that makes me think his wife was uh, became a Christian through a silent ministry of Andrew Garfield was when she went to step on the cross, there was this, the actress, whoever she was, there was this look of, I don't want to step on my savior. Like, that was the look Mm -hmm. I got. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm reading too far into it, but I feel like that would play more to the positive positive side of this movie that I'm hoping it will have with more time thinking about it. Possibly seeing it again. I don't know. Maybe I'm a terrible reviewer. (laughs) I'm never going to see it again. I'll see it again. I don't know. Um, But I think... I got lost in my own thought. Uh-huh. Anyways, but you, you see what I'm saying? Though? Yeah, 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 I do. And so I think I think that was my major hang-up with the movie. Yours was more, is this movie trying to draw him as, like, Christ too? Um, yeah. So I think I have some answers to that. Um, at least I have my answers to that. Okay. One, I talked to, I talked to someone who has read the book. Mm-hmm. The book is intentionally ambiguous. Um, the guy wrote it as he was struggling with his Catholic faith. Um, so the book is intentionally like, maybe this is worth it. Maybe this is not. 
as far as the Christ stuff, I don't really know um, what the author's intention was with that. Um, but I think in Scorsese's interpretation of the book, there are two definite answers to both of those questions that have been eating away at us. So for my question about whether or not it was worth it, you help me unlock the answer to that question, which is he's still a martyr, just not a physical death happens. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, his silence was his martyr. His silence which, was his martyr. So I don't mean to interrupt mm-hmm. you, but I think Liam Nielsen enforced that um, before he stepped on the image of Christ. Remember what he said to him? He said to him, this will be the greatest act of love you'll have ever committed. Mm-hmm. And the greatest... No, oh, is he the love? Probably more yeah. likely the greatest love and sacrifice you'll have ever committed. Right. Which I think was a bit of his true faith coming out to him like, dude, I feel you. I get it. Yeah. Ah, the more... Th- ah, this movie! Sorry, yeah. I interrupted you. Go ahead. I'm um, sorry. So, I think his silence is his martyrdom. Um, he, His whole identity is wrapped up in telling people about Jesus. He's a priest. Like, that's his life. Um, and the... So I think that he has to die to himself because the people that are be in the pit that are being tortured, they've already committed the apostasy. There's literally no reason, aside from pure cruelty, for the Japanese to have done this. They've done everything the Japanese have wanted them to do, but they want to use it... They use them as pawns to get to the priest because they view that priest as very dangerous um, because of the amount of clout that they have within the belief system. So they use it to get to him. Um, these five Christians like are kind of absolved of the crimes that they're, they're being committed in the eyes of the Japanese government. And so he has to die to sharing his faith in order for the Japanese to continue living the japanese christians to continue living um because if he stays they're just going to keep killing christians to get to him they're just going to keep killing christians to get to him and yes there is an argument to be made that you know they would gladly go into death for for the gospel and you know um but at the same time is it necessary and you know they they view this priest as very dangerous they don't view these fishermen and these farmers as dangerous but they're the most dangerous because they're in the community every day they're in their villages they're influencers in their in their communities and so i think in order for the gospel to spread through japan and japanese christians to exist he has to die to himself i mean god's sovereign he's still gonna work but i also think that the very 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 last thing that happens in this movie after after the fade to black, it comes up and it says this film is dedicated to all the pastors and worshipers in Japan. Mm-hmm. I think it takes a very hard stance that look, it survived all of this. It's still a thing. It's there are currently people in Japan who believe in Jesus. And so I think that the movie takes a very very hard stance on, yeah, it it, it it's not anti-evangelism. It's just that this guy had to stop doing it in order for the gospel to really take hold. And I know it seems super counterintuitive Mm -hmm. for that to happen, but that's what had to happen. Also, it's a fictional movie. (laughs) Um, You know, it's based off a novel of true events. So these guys didn't really exist. They were amalgamations of characters. As far as, is he uh, Jesus part two? Or did he view himself? Or did he view himself as that? He did. He absolutely did. Until Jesus talked to him, I think. Um, Because... Liam Neeson tells him. 
Liam Neeson straight up tells him that he thinks he's Jesus part two. In when he confronts him in his cell right before yeah, he goes and steps on him. Because he's saying the people aren't dying for Christ, they're dying for you. Mm-hmm. Which is well, the part I was like... Mm. But he also tells him, he was like, you put yourself in these situations, you draw comparisons... I don't remember the exact wording, but he tells him, you draw comparisons between yourself and Jesus, and you're not, man. Like, you're just not. Um, and so through that, I think, is, is where... Because I remember thinking the whole movie, I was like, man... This guy really thinks he's Jesus, doesn't he? Um, and, like, I'm not saying it's bad to compare your situations you're in to situations Jesus was in. Like, we've been in similar situations. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, none of us are the son of God. But, you know, there are relatable things that he went through. That's not inherently a bad thing. But I think it starts to overtake his heart. And he ends up putting way too much pressure on himself. Mm. Um, to the point where he starts viewing himself as another messianic figure in these people's lives and Liam Neeson comes in and he's like you're not you're not this for these people like it's gonna be okay basically because he does have that secret faith um you know he he tells him I I wish I remembered the line but he says like you you continually draw these comparisons between you and Jesus and it's not the same and I think that when he does commit the apostasy he realizes and Jesus actually does interact with him um i think that's when he's finally silent i think that's the silence the movie is the title of the movie is getting at because the whole time he's just been trying to work right he's like if i could just get here if i could just talk to these people if i could just say the right words to this person but he just needs to shut up and listen to god um you blew up my mind (laughs) now i have to go see this movie again i uh, oh man as soon as the movie got out, it was 6.09 and there was a 6.40 showing happening across town and I almost drove to it and went to see it a second time. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's it's a movie that rewards thought. Yeah. Um, and I like that. It's not a movie for baby Christians uh, nope. at all. Um, Go watch War Room, I'm sad to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um it's it's a movie about people who want to think about these kinds of things and who are okay thinking about these kinds of things. Um, I think that... I don't think it would cause anyone to be like, oh, no, F this. I don't think it would happen to a new believer. It might, but mm-hmm. uh, I think... I think I just think it would be a little too heavy for them. It's a heavy movie regardless of the things we've been talking about. I think the only way they could be is if... Because the Japanese throw out these arguments, which I hear a lot of seculars saying, is mm-hmm. why, you know, your religion is exclu- exclusive and you should da 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 That argument would help, would have hold water if they weren't torturing and killing people. Yep. But it don't no more. Yeah. Oh my gosh. My favorite scene in the movie is when they first bring him in front of the Inquisitor mm-hmm. and he doesn't know he's the Inquisitor. Yeah. And he's talking to him and he says something about you know some trees don't take root on a ground and he's just like the ground's been poisoned it's not the tree he's like it's not the tree the tree's truth if it was true if it's got to be true in in portugal and it's got to be true here or else it's not the truth and i was like mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like take me to church like i uh, when i when i saw the movie i checked in on facebook i had gotten called into work sunday morning yeah. and so i missed church and so i just put i missed church this morning this counts right and at that point i was like preach like <laughs> that that whole scene he's just like yeah. so staunch in his faith i'm like it's so good man yeah uh that was a really good good scene um 
But the scene... Okay, the Inquisitor was ridiculous. His voice was ridiculous. Can we just say that? He was, he was I real... I just wanted him to say Mowage. That's all I wanted him to say. Um, but the scene where I was just like, what the frick is going on here? Was where Andrew Garfield is sitting opposite the Inquisitor in, inside. I think mm. it was either just before... Oh, and he, he tells him the story of the concubines? Something along those lines. But it was the scene where he literally deflates. Yes! And I was just like... <laughs> is he melting? Like that was the moment I was like, "This is really stupid." What? Yeah, I that was a understand. weird choice. Yeah, it just because he's literally just like. <laughs> but he makes deflating noises too. <laughs> it's does. so weird. And then when the guy tries to help him up, he smacks him in the head. I'm like, "This is a really serious movie. Why is this here?" Okay. Yeah, that that a lot of the character decisions they made with the Inquisitor were really strange. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I ended up really loving it. As a matter of fact, I almost am willing to say it was... I think it might have been my second favorite I really loved La La Land. It might be a little bit better, I think. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. I'd have to see both of them again. Yeah. This conversation helped me sort through a lot of my feelings about the movie <laughs> because I was feeling some kind of way. I do think it is one of the best movies about faith, at least for two hours and 20 minutes it's one of the best movies about faith that i've ever seen um i think there's a lot to chew on i think the even like almost regardless of how the movie ends up or what the message he's trying to get across is if you're a christian there's so much in that first two hours and 20 minutes that like makes you your heart break it makes your heart sing it makes you rejoice and like I prayed before the movie of like, hey, just like teach me something about this. Like, just teach me something through this movie, God. And I think he was at work in the middle of that. Um, I think I got a lot out of it. I think there's more for me to get out of it. Um, It's a very heavy movie. I think it very much, um, you know, I think that the the horrors and tortures on display are actually not as violent as Hacksaw Ridge, um, Mm -hmm. but are very effective. When that dude gets beheaded, oh, man. It like I loved the way he shot that whole scene, yeah. um, where it's just first person through Andrew Garfield's uh, perspective. I thought that, that was, was incredible. that was the one cinematography. That, that mm-hmm. that's considered some cinematography. Yeah, um, that I thought was interesting. How you see it from his perspective, everything. I thought, yeah, well, that's kind of interesting. I haven't seen that. Yeah, and it's all one before. shot too. Like, there's so much going on in that one long shot because, you know, they behead the guy and then they bring in the guy who consistently is you know commits to the renouncing and you see all of that from his perspective and then the next thing you see is him just like a pile of person just weeping um i i really like that scene that's one the basically the entire sequence of him after he gets captured is probably my favorite stuff in the whole movie um what did you think about that character who kept renouncing i thought it was interesting like you both you for me you identify with him in a certain respect but you also hate him because yeah. he's kind of messing this guy over and over and over again mm-hmm. but at the same time he's still following him mm-hmm. and he still wants forgiveness which peter he's peter he yeah he very <laughs> much is a peter like person but again he's going to a padre to forgiveness not christ mm-hmm. himself which is where i have issues right i right. get it's that's the, the there's a whole imagery they're trying to give there but that to me i just couldn't get past that for me right um the more this conversation has actually made me which i didn't think it would it's made me want to see it to see it again Mm -hmm. to see if my opinion could change so very well down the line 
I might give a, a brief update to be like, it's a really good, like crying is really yeah. good movie. Um, I, I reserve that right. Um, but I thought his character was interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't what I thought, his character wasn't what I thought it would yeah. be like. He yeah. gets, he repents in the beginning of the movie and you think, okay, cool, this guy is going to be on their team, he's yeah. going to do good stuff, da, 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 da. But then just this reoccurring sin mm-hmm. of apostating, and his whole backstory is tragic. Yeah, his whole family would refuse to apostate. He's the only one, but he he's just still seeking redemption. Yeah, and he's a bad guy, but he's a bad guy who knows he's bad. Yeah, and you kind of you I got you the feels for that yeah. guy. You're like, dude, I'm a wretch just like you. Yeah, and you are no different. Yeah. Um. And so I actually really liked his character. The more I think about his character, the more I liked and I He's a really complicated character. Really complicated, Very. meaty character. I really like that character a and lot. His, oddly enough, he had the... Even though I'm sure he got killed for his faith yeah. in the end, even though we don't see it, his had the most happy ending. Yeah. In a sense. Because mm-hmm. he did end up back with Andrew Garfield. Um, which showed he wasn't just a scum of the earth guy who just wanted money. Like, he yeah. was still... I still reaching for salvation yeah um so i actually liked his character yeah i mean he's the embodiment of a beatitude right blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness mm-hmm. um like that he did uh even if he didn't live up to it all the time you could tell that he i think every time he came back it seemed genuine you know mm-hmm. you never thought that this guy was just kind of coming back for once again the the problems with with his atonement are i'm gonna set those aside for the sake of this conversation yeah um he kept coming back for atonement and it didn't seem like fire insurance you know what i mean it didn't seem like he didn't seem obligated to do that out uh, in the sense of like this is what i gotta do to get into heaven he seemed obligated to it because he loved the lord you know he or he loved he loved faith or god or whatever like I'm sorry, I'll let you finish your thought first. But And so he keeps coming back for this, uh, you know, and I, 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 he keeps coming back to this to repent and confess his sin, and it keeps happening. But each time, like I said, it, it just feels genuine. Like, it feels organic and, like, he's coming from the correct place um, for wanting atonement rather than just like, oh, I better make sure my card's punched. Mm. Yeah. Um... But that for me, I'm still, maybe you can help clarify this for me, but I'm still a little unclear about what these people actually believe to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Because based on the few conversations Andrew Garfield had with certain ones of of these Christians, they were saying, they talked a lot about going to paradise Mm. and going to heaven, which that in and of itself is not making me go clearly they're not Christians. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there just seemed to be a real de-emphasis on christ himself and gaining him as the reward yeah well, maybe maybe i'm going in with expectations of this movie that the movie was never gonna meet i think it's partly that i think a lot of it too is ministering in that culture at that time it's hard to be clear about anything mm-hmm. um just because of the general state of the country um you know there's so much fear in the teachings that they're probably not going to come across as as uh concise as they probably should Mm -hmm. but i think ultimately god's at work in that too 
Um, I think, you know, I think, I think these people's faith seemed genuine when he, when they go to those, uh, villages, you know, I think, I think, I think Jesus was doing work, um, in, in those villages. I think they may not have had the knowledge or education to come up with all the right words, but I mean, it's, it, it just, it seemed like God was still working through that. And clearly he was because Japan still has Christians you know, like God's able to work in any of those circumstances, I feel like. Um, that's where I stood on it at the end of the mm-hmm. movie. I was just like, uh, yeah, it's maybe not, you know, as rich as it should be, but it's something. It's better than nothing, kind of, at that point. Sure. Um, you know, the 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 gist of the gist is there, at least. Yeah. Um, and God can take it over from there. Um, that's, that's where I landed on that, at least, because okay. of you know, the rampant persecution. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the depictions of persecution were so intense and yeah. and crazy. And, and, you know, it's it's weird to say this, but like really good. Really they were, good. They were well done. Yeah. Um, they were well done without being too gratuitous. It was just kind of like, no, oh, this happened. Yeah, yeah. It matter, was, matter of fact. It wasn't flippant, but it wasn't ex- exploitative either. You know, yeah. it, was, it was reverent, I think, um, for the sacrifice of those people. Yeah. And... Uh, I think what it meant for them to die for their faith. I think, yeah. I think I got a really good sense of like, of that, of what it, what it does mean to stand up and, and just say like, no, I'm a Christian. Like I, this is what I believe in the face of anything. Um, and I, I don't know. I really liked all that stuff. I, I, I really liked this movie a lot, man. Mm. Um, but yeah, do you have anything else to add about silence? No, I just walk away confused and yeah. Um, uh, st- still needing to see it again. Uh, I still hold up my reservations that I, I mentioned earlier. Um, but I do want to see it again yeah. to see if it might change a few things. Yeah. Have, with, with the advent of this conversation and just kind of you know, thinking through it some more, I think it might be. It would do. Uh, it would not be a bad thing to see it again. Yeah. Do you recommend it. people see it? <sighs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, I would recommend seeing it. If for if for nothing else, get you think about Jesus, and that's not yeah. a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I agree. Um, I loved it for a lot of other reasons besides that, but that was that was a big point. Um, and if you are not a person of faith, uh, I think there's a lot in here either way. Uh, I think you should see it. Um, but if you're not a person of faith, I would suggest uh, find that person of faith that you like talking to about that kind of stuff and go see it with them and then go have dinner after um, grab some coffee chat or talk. spend the night because you're going to be up till four in the morning talking about this movie i feel like <laughs> um you know i i and if you are a person of faith grab a person who isn't a believer and take them to see this movie and talk about it after and and you know um i think there's a lot of good stuff in this movie and uh, on a technical level on a performance level but also on a spiritual level i think there's there are really good conversations to be had this is just one of them yeah. um and i think almost the beauty of it is it's not a bible story it's not you know we don't really have to get caught up in the inaccuracies or accuracies of the portrayal of the events and i think that level of removal from it helps to refocus us onto the important thematic elements that it brings up you know if this movie were the story of moses and it brought up all these thematic elements but it was not that true to the text of the bible that would be the conversation we were having 
Um, you know, this is... Which has happened. Which, yeah, which has happened. <laughs> um, well, it wasn't as good thematically either. Yeah. But, you know, with this movie, it's already based off of a novel of, of true events, but it's a fictionalized account of true events that are not part of the Bible. And so I think through all those levels, you can set up these huge themes that we spent the most of the episode talking about, and you don't really have to let the... I'm trying... There's not a better way for me to say it. There, you don't have to let the quote um, air quotes theology of it, the, all that get in the way, or the accuracy of all that get in the way, um, because it's not the Bible. You mm. know what I mean? It's like a the, fictional tale. Yeah, yeah, it's a fictional tale. Um, so I think that helps, uh, and I think that can help in a lot of stuff. Um, you know, that's that's one of my things. I think with fictional the, stuff with the arts. You mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's gonna yeah. have to be a longer conversation. If we're gonna yeah, go I, I. What I mean is, I think you know, true or themes about truth are better in art when they're set up through fiction, um, because it puts a layer of artifice between it already that you're already agreeing on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, whereas if it's like, you know, even Ben Hur, something like Ben Hur, that's not a Bible story. It's an incredible portrayal of Jesus. You're talking about the original one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not the... I haven't seen the recent one that looks terrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the original one, like, it's an adaptation of a novel about a guy who existed at the same time as Jesus. Yeah. But it's not a, 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 an adaptation of any sort of Bible Historical story. Historical account or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that movie is an astounding work of faith and uh, portrayal of Jesus. Yeah. So... It's my, one of my wife's favorite, actually. Really? Yeah. That's a good movie, man. Have you ever seen it? Not from beginning to end. I've seen, like, the middle and end on TV, but I haven't okay. seen it from A to Z. So. I love it. I love that movie. You should watch it. Okay. It's I've got really the Blu-ray at home somewhere, so... Oh, really? Yeah. Well, she bought, like, the collector's edition. Oh, the giant version? Yeah, That's the, awesome. The big one, so I have, to, I have to watch that one. Yeah. Man, it's real good. That's real good. But, uh, yeah. Um, thanks for listening, you guys. Uh... But uh, thanks for listening. We love you guys. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, you can review us on iTunes. Uh, one star if you hate us. Five stars if you love us. Preferably the five stars. Please. Um, you know, there's other stars in between there, but we don't care about those. No. <laughs> um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at MJSmith891. You can find my writing at wordofthenerd.com. Uh, I just wrote about Samurai Jack returning to the airwaves this March. Um let's see what else oh you can find us on youtube there's a big announcement on youtube this week uh so go look at that you can find Corey tyndall's work at game space over on youtube as well uh the big announcement also encompasses uh game space it's a big announcement about the youtube channel really um and probably a little bit of oscar talk um yeah and then stay tuned y'all um there's 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 some stuff coming up on the horizon that i don't think i can talk about yet um but i will tease it a little bit you won't know it's a tease for it but go to tarpleymovietalk.com that's tarpley uh t-a-r-p-l-e-y movietalk.com i was part of a collaborative top 10 films of 2016 list uh over there and you should go read that um josh uh it's a guy named Josh Tarpley, who was kind enough to reach out to me and ask if I could participate in that collaborative top 10 list. But he also did his own personal top 10 list on the site. And you should read that too, because top 10 lists are fun to read. Um, it's fun to see how many people can rearrange the same movies in different orders at the end of the year. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, 
but like I said, stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> there's some stuff on the horizon. So yeah, until next time, uh, go watch Silence. Go watch it. Hello, watch darkness, it. my old friend. That's the sound of silence. I've come to. T- <laughs> Makana-san. Makana-san. <laughs>